Coming up on episode 263 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Volvo C40, the Chevrolet Bolt, the VW ID Buzz, the Kia Sportage, Jeep's new EVs, the Chevy Equinox EV, the Lexus RX, and more. All that coming up next. Uh, this is episode 263 of Wheel Bearings, and we're back uh, after a little break for travel and uh, concerts and assorted other stuff. Um, I am Sam Abul Salmon from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Wakeland from the Fast Women Podcast. I am Roberto Baldwin from Ink Gadget. And Robbie, why don't we start with you, because you drove something that uh, not many people, certainly not many people from this side of the Atlantic have driven. Yes. Finally. Finally. We've waited so long. I drove the ID Buzz. Finally. 2017, they're like, hey, look at this car. And everyone's like, oh, my God, look at that van. It's amazing. And then they're like, yeah, it'll come. Eventually. So I finally, I went over to, uh, to Copenhagen, and they stuck me in the car, and I drove it into Sweden and back. I went over the bridge from that TV show, The Bridge, if you're mm-hmm. in the Swedish. I've driven over that bridge. Yeah, yeah. And I kept telling everyone, I I'm watching the TV show. And people are like, what are you talking about? I feel like, like I'm well, missing so out. You both Watch. know about the bridge. You don't, I don't know about this bridge. So, I've never driven over it. So there, there, is, there, there is a bridge between Copenhagen and I forget the city on the Sweden side, basically across the, the channel between Denmark and, and Sweden. Okay. And there was a show that was on, I think it was on FX here. I don't know. It was, uh, it was, there, there was, they, they did a remake of a show here called uh, The Bridge. Um, and it was a remake of an original Danish or Swedish show by the same name. Um, and basically cops, it was a pr- procedural drama okay. thing, uh, with a cop from each side of the bridge trying to solve a murder. Okay. The, someone was murdered and then left on the bridge right where the, co- where the country. So the jurisdiction was unclear. Yeah. So I there some people, okay. Yeah. Anywho, so I drove over that bridge. <laughs> Just the weirdest <laughs> aside. Uh, the ID buzz. Um, I drove the, so, okay. So. There's a lot of caveats into this. I drove the IB, ID Buzz, yes, but I drove the European spec, which meant it was the short wheelbase version. It only has two rows. Um, it doesn't have the third row. It doesn't have the long wheelbase that we'll get here in the United States. Um, the battery pack that they have over there, 70 some. it doesn't matter because they wouldn't tell me what the battery pack was coming to the United States. There's a lot of things that they're like, you get to drive this, this, this vehicle and here are all the European specs, but... We can't tell you the U.S. specs because between so now and then... you don't know then, how close it was. It could be very different or just yeah. a skosh different. A skosh different. Someone yeah. heard that it was going to be nine inches longer, the wheelbase, for the uh, for the uh, American version, which makes sense in order to throw that third row in there. Mm-hmm. I actually really like the, the short wheelbase version just because, you know, it's easier to park. Um, I don't have a lot of friends, so I don't need a third row. Uh, you get, you know, you have this nice uh, storage. Is there area. enough room in there with the do- for the dogs, though? Oh yeah, totally enough room for the for the dogs. It's, okay. Yeah, you put the, especially if you put those seats down. Yeah. Perfect. It's the perfect dog vehicle. It's what the Honda Element should be if it were in an EV. Is essentially <laughs> what it is. Um, yeah, Honda Element official uh, car of the uh, dog walker. 
so yeah, so I drove it. It was fun. It wasn't it wasn't fast because it's a van. It wasn't you know it's, it doesn't have tight steering because it's a van. It's everything that it's, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. Which is so many vehicles are trying to be a little bit more than they're supposed to be, or they don't quite reach where they're supposed to be. And there are very few vehicles that are kind of exactly where they're supposed to be. One of them is the Kia Soul. The first time you get in the Colt Soul, you're like, oh, this is exactly what this vehicle needs to be. Same thing with the ID Buzz. It's exactly what it needs to be. It's comfortable. It's easy to drive. It's, you know, it's got room. You know, you got plenty of room in the front. You got plenty of room in the back. One of the issues I did find was that there were no, um, there was no rear uh, climate controls and no vents back there. But again, I have no idea if that's going to be like that when it comes to the United States. <laughs> Right. But it, all the, the sort of hype around it, you know, we've all been waiting for it. It is it's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's and and the uh, the uh, their their infotainment system works fine. Works just no like lag, it's supposed to. No, no, no lag. No. Well, I mean, everything's going to have a little bit of lag, but like, yeah. no, it not like before. Like you turn the car on, it comes on. <laughs> Yeah, you know, well, stuff well, there's like a that. concept. You're not, <laughs> you're not uh, driving for five minutes before. Oh, the screen finally pops oh, up. Sweet Decided five. to you, join us. <laughs> when you swipe, it follows your finger as opposed to a swipe and then like a little wait and seeing how it feels and then swipe. Like everything it's supposed to do, it does. Uh, so yeah, it was it was nice. It you know it's it's going to be vehicle to load, which is a big selling point for me, um, because this seems like it'll be like maybe a second car for. For some people, or maybe a first car for others. But if it's a second car and it's at your house, if you do vehicle to load, you can use it to like power your house, or you know. You did did they say how much power it'll be able to put out? No, they didn't tell us anything. Again, <laughs> the only thing we know, the only thing that really carries over is the 170 kilowatt charge rate. Okay. So, which is, I, I wish it was, I wish it was a four, you know, 800. I wish it was above 200, especially for a vehicle that's sort of built for road trips. And for camping and for all that, I wish it, it, it was, you know, 220. I wish it was just, you know, it, I, I wish they had gone a little, the extra mile and put it on an 800-volt uh, architecture. But they didn't. 170 is fine. Um, it's about 80. I'm, I'm guessing we'll probably get an 80-something uh, kilowatt-hour battery pack over here. We'll probably get about 240 when it comes to range, maybe 250. Um, you know, I think they're... they're the the answer I got well is between now and then we don't know you know battery technology might get better the chemistry might get better you know the pack it's going to be larger so that we might have a larger pack there was a lot of like we're we're not really sure so we're not telling you kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> so we have a year before it gets here um, it's supposed to be it's it's launching in Europe this year it's launching in the United States next year so the Europeans will have it they'll test it out they'll get you know they'll be essentially the guinea pigs for that first year. Um, I typically tell people, I'm like, if you want a car, and unless you really, really want it, wait till the second year of it be out. The first year is always when they find, you know, weirdness. You know, if you look at all the big hype cars that have come out this year, almost all of them have some little weirdness that's happened because it's the first year. All I can think of is the fact that the wheels are falling off of the BZ4X. So Exactly, yeah. As long as the wheels don't fall off, you're doing all right. Yeah, as long as the wheels don't fall off, you don't have, like, was it engine failures? It's just some engine issues with Ford and some of their vehicles, and you know, yeah, everyone Bronco, has... the Bronco V two point seven liter V six was dying. Yeah, so you know, there's that's that's sort of be, to be expected because you made we've made a thousand of them and they all seem to be okay. Now you have to make a hundred thousand of them, and and when you're doing that, that's when you find out oh, there's this issue. You know, it's it's first year just sort of shaking things out. You know, the BRZ and the GR eighty six and their weird oil issues. So. 
the Europeans get to uh, figure that out with the ID buzz on the first year. Um, any wheels fall off or anything like that, the Europeans will have to deal with that. And hopefully by the time we get it, uh, all that will be sorted out. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the vehicle. Uh, I like it. I have, no again, no idea how much it costs. Literally no clue. $50,000 probably, maybe in the 40s. It'd be nice if they could start at 40. Um, we're going to get a rear-wheel drive and an all-wheel drive version over here. I drove the rear-wheel drive version of it. Um, driving it around um, Copenhagen and the city I was in in Sweden, people were like, oh, they were very – there was a man who, who followed us and who really? pulled over and who talked to me <laughs> and my co-driver about the vehicle. And we're like, hey, you want to take pictures and sit in the car? We don't care. Go for it. And he's like, yay. And he was all excited. Wow. Um, and then we found out that he like had talked to other people. He had a shirt with all the VW, with all the micro buses on it. So he's and, like a hardcore fan. Yeah, he had a Polo R. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, we were, we were like, oh my God, you're, what? <laughs> so ID Buzz, uh, the hype, if you're expecting like some sort of crazy super machine, that's not what it's supposed so th- to be. This is not a Ford super van. It is not a Ford super van. It okay. is exactly what it should be. Um, if you've ever driven a micro bus, which are a kind of difficult to drive, be slower than molasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is probably going to be a lot faster than a. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a it's bus. a. It's a lot quicker than, than so... the classic bus, but it's you know you drive it around. It knows at what forty fifty horsepower. If that, yeah. <laughs> I think it was like 46 horsepower from uh, I think someone had the 1.6. Oh my god, they were just they were just not you know zero to sixty in about five six minutes was yeah. was the old. So yeah, <laughs> downhill with tailwind. Downhill with tailwind. I'm 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 looking forward to driving the long wheelbase all wheel drive version when it comes over here. Um, again, I will drive this vehicle again and again and again. I'm happy that it's here. Um, this is like one of those vehicles that I was really excited about. That the Honda E never getting a Honda E. Um, the ID uh, buggy, never getting the ID buggy, but there's the Myers uh, Manx that's coming, and now we have the ID Buzz. So, yeah, what the, got any questions for me? Um, <laughs> well, one one thing, um, the the city on the other side of the bridge is Malmo. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at Google Maps. Malmo. Just to clarify. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, the city of Malmo. It was very delightful. Yeah, As well, are most Swedish cities. Sweet, sweet, was, Sweden is always a delightful country. It is a delightful country. That's fair. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Malmo and Copenhagen. Two great tastes. Taste great together. Like <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, the, the the buzz, you know, they've, they've done, I mean, it's, it's not exactly like the original concept was. But it's close enough, and I think it. I think it is a, a cool looking van. It's probably the, probably the coolest looking van since the, uh, the second generation Toyota Previa. Um, oh yeah, I so that. not not the first one that was more boxy, <laughs> but the second one that was kind of sleek looking. It looked uh, kind of like a, a space pod. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That yeah. was a cool van. I remember yeah. the Chevy Astro. Remember Chevy Astro? I remember the Astro. Oh, oh the Astro was huge, especially in the uh, speaker scene and the the uh, the aftermarket radio scene. Like that, that was the official car of like I have seventy subwoofers in the back of my vehicle. <laughs> was the Chevy Astro? <laughs> yeah. So we're getting back. Vans are cool again. Vans Come on, are cool. All right. Just got to talk more people into getting more vans. Just got to convince everybody else that they're cool yeah. again. Vans yeah. and wagons are great for EVs, too, because there's just so much space mm-hmm. to just put a giant battery in. And so it'll, it'll yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, 
it'll be interesting to see how it when when it comes over here. Interesting to see like what sort of packages you can get. I mean, I I would like it if they have just like a rubber floor, like the old element where you just hose it out. That was oh, so yeah. cool. That was the yeah. best feature of that car. I don't, I don't know why people like, are like oh we gotta put carpet in here. I'm like really do we though? Like I'm I'm wearing shoes. <laughs> I'm wearing shoes. We don't need carpet. We're fine. And any car that I've had that I take like outdoorsy, like when I had my WRX, it had rubber. It had like the rubber, like everything inside because mm-hmm. I got uh, on top of. No, the it's carpet. like you know, Jeep Jeep Wranglers. Do you, does your Wrangler have uh, carpet or rubber? Mine has got. I can't. I know that we have these like really rugged rubber floor mats on it but i don't i honestly i'm trying they go so close to the edge i don't know if it's just rubber all through or if yeah. it's carpet under there i, I don't know I don't if know. they even do carpet in wranglers i don't I'm think not, they sure. do they even but I, we I have these like floor mats that could I, I feel like they could hold a gallon of water like they're really yeah. deep crevices so like in the winter when you've got snow on your boots you suddenly look in the car like there's a lot of water i should i feel like i should just take this out and <laughs> It's a tiny little river. I, it's a little I spilled, river, like a little pond floating around in the floor mats. I spilled a giant iced tea once in my WRX, and it just went all into the giant rubber floor mat. And it was perfect. I just... <laughs> See? And, Done. you know, the Bronco, uh, you know, has rubber floors, but they even have drain plugs in the floor See? so that, you know, you can hose it out and it'll just drain it out. right out. You don't yeah. even have to dump anything out. It just goes automatically. There you so, go. Just get, get rid of carpet. I don't, I don't like carpet in houses. And if it's you terrible. Like- it's in a car because too. Even if you have floor mats, if like if you have any kind of car, if it, if you get salt on the carpet, like living New England, you get second. You get like the single. Oh yeah, it will perpetually of be salt. It is there forever. You have a little yeah. white ring, and then it just expands oh. as it gets wet, and then you have this big circle. It's like trying to get a spot out of your shirt, and you're like, oh, I got it. And then it dries, and you have this horrible stain on your shirt. That's what your floor looks like, and your, the carpet in your your floor looks like forever in your car. Just, Hate it. Just, Hate it. Let's just, just get rid of carpet altogether. Carpet. Get rid of the carpet. That would I, save I, each of us $2 on the invoice price, yeah. right? Like, if we got rid and of carpet. I, at least. Maybe <laughs> three. A lot of, Maybe three. In the summer, I do a lot of driving without my shoes, which I think, I, for some reason, outside of California and Hawaii is weird. I don't understand. It's hot. I'm just going to drive without my shoes. <laughs> I wear them flip-flops. I get in the car. I don't want to drive with flip-flops. That's, that sucks. That's dangerous. So I just, That's not good. So I drive yeah, with my shoes. They get stuck on stuff. Yeah, they get stuck on things. I move those out of the way, and I drive with my, my – my, uh, and it's – yeah, I don't want carpet. Well, and, and you get better sensitivity there you know, when you're modulating oh, yeah. the brake and the, and the you throttle. Can, you can wrap your toes around the clutch you know, a little yeah. bit, get a little grip on there. Exactly. Like a, yeah. like a little monkey. I, do, <laughs> I actually do that. I actually grip the, like the, the clutch like a little monkey in my, in my BRZ. So I want everybody those... to know that I drive like a normal human with my shoes on and don't use my monkey toes to grip the clutch in a car. I just want to clarify this. Yeah, but you live in the far thing. north. You, you can't. Yeah, you have to wear shoes, th- you know, year round. <laughs> if I go Are bare feet, you, I get frostbite you, even in July. I mean, Is that what you, happens? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you even take a shower without your shoes on? <laughs> no, you never. You have to wear shoes all the time. You all never the take time. your shoes off. Yeah. yeah. I, I I tweeted that once, and everyone was appalled. <laughs> Like everyone who wasn't from California was like, I can't believe what? I'm like, why did I think it was illegal to drive without your shoes on for some reason? Where did I get this a, in my head? It was like maybe a whole in some thing. Places. It I was really a whole thing in the eighties. In the eighties, our parents, my parents, told me that it was illegal to drive. That's what, and my, then that's somebody, what I'm getting this. My yeah. dad told me that. And I think it was my dad. I'm googling is driving without your shoes on illegal. But I swear, I thought it was legal. He said that to me, and I've carried that with me my whole life. Yeah, my, I, I remember parents telling everybody, and then we all looked it up one day once we had, like, the internet, and it turns out it wasn't <gasps> No illegal. federal or state laws prohibit driving a car without shoes. 
I was today years old. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead. Dry without shoes like, huh. like me with your monkey toes. All right. There you go. All right. Speaking of driving, Nicole, what have you been driving? Um, I was driving the 2023 Kia Sportage X-Pro Prestige all-wheel drive to get the (laughs) full, complete title out there. More name excess. But you know what? It was funny. Somebody was reading the title of some new TV that came out, and it was like the new Panasonic X54 300C-4-9. I'm like, suddenly car names seem really easy. It was this huge, long... Yeah, Yeah. so I think the tech industry has them one-upped with the crazy names. So the Sportage is all new for 23. Um, I had it this week to drive, just, you know, knock around town, which is great. But I did the lunch uh, for this, and they had us take it off-road. So they have certain trims that are like the X. There's an X Pro and there's an X line. I have the X Pro, which is the most off-roady of the lot. And it's kind of funny because, you know, when they say a car can off-road and it's not something you traditionally think of, like Sportage is not what you think of to take in the dirt, you're, you're really kind of skeptical and you think, oh, okay, fine, whatever. Like, that's cute. You think that's going to off-road, and it's not. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, because a lot of the times, it's the case you're like, I, like my, my standard is, if I could take a Camry on it, I'm not really off-roading. Like, and that yeah. very often is the case. If a Camry can do it, it's not an off-road vehicle, no matter how many cute little names you give all your technology. This, however, did things that a Camry could not do. Um, when we were out there, they really had us take it in the dirt. They really had us take it off-road. It was this nice little technical course to show. And it's not like Jeep off-roading. It's not like Bronco off-roading. But I'm pretty impressive for uh, you know a two-row SUV. Um, and the X-Pro gets a little extra ground clearance. I think it's one and a half inches extra ground clearance compared to other uh, trims within the lineup. And it gets this like drive mode selector that has normal, sport, smart, and snow, I believe, the, the four modes. So it it's it can actually if you want to do that little bit of light off roading, you got you know a little lake you want to go to and there's a little off road trail you know you've got to go to the out in the field or whatever. Not rock crawling people, but like light off roading, this can actually do it. I was I was really impressed when we drove this. So it has under its little hood a 2.5 liter four cylinder engine, 187 horsepower, 178 pound feet of torque. Um, it goes. It's not a super aggressive. Uh, vehicle, if it's something you're looking for a really, really super aggressive drive, you're not going to get it, but it is more than competent to get itself out of its own way. Um, and it was fun to drive. It's got an eight-speed automatic transmission. Um, it's it's a nice car to drive. It's a nice, pleasant SUV for the family. Um, I have to comment on the color because my daughter commented on the color. It's this kind of... Um, green color like a dark green not like a bright emerald like a darker green and she I said what do you think she's like I don't like this green I said I mean, she's like I don't know what do they call it swamp green it's actually jungle green but <laughs> in her head she's like swamp green and the more I stood there and looked at it I'm like I can see that. It's like this very dark kind of mossy color that is jungle green or swamp green if you're a sarcastic teenager. Um Things that I really liked. This is one of our first cold mornings in New England where you have to wear shoes all the time. And I turned on the heated seats and the heated steering wheel, and I swear everything was warm in about 2.5 seconds. Like, you didn't have to wait at all. I could instantly feel my cold fingers warming up on the wheel, which is a big thing given that it's cold here so much. I was very happy with this, and I wasn't waiting for it to warm up. So it warms up really, really quickly. A couple other things that I just think are just nice touches um, the lights on the interior, you don't actually push the lights. It's like a little tap, 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 and you get a light, tap, 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 it goes out. So it's kind of neat that it's a little tap light. 
And also, I just I had forgotten the Monroney in the car before the show, and I went running out to the car to grab the Monroney. And it doesn't have like a puddle light, but just the just the light in the door handle, like right where the handle is, kind of lights up on approach when you have the key in your pocket. And it's kind of nice, a little bit of light, so that you can you can kind of see what you're doing. So I appreciated that. Well, when you're out in the off road, you know the puddle, the puddle light's not going to be that helpful in the dirt. Right. So you know, seeing the door where the door handle is yeah, probably be the more useful. Yeah, the door handle. So it was kind of nice. Um, also, there's got it's it, you know it has a nice interior. The interior is it's, it's Kia does a really good job of making their interiors feel a little bit more than what you're paying for, uh, which I always think is nice. Everybody likes to feel like they they've gotten a good deal, and you will because it does feel like a more a pricier car in terms of the looks and the comfort than what it actually costs. Um, and you get things like this one has the dual 12.3 inch display like for instrument cluster and for infotainment so it has a very tech like of the future kind of vibe like you feel like you're buying a new car that has all the cool stuff uh which i like so the price oh wait um what do you think the destination is guess 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 oh 12.95 wait 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 who said what 12.95 with sam and 1200 was robbie yeah. Robbie's going to win because it was 12.15. But you're both Ooh. like really close, 12.15. So that gives this term. And again, the X-Pro Prestige all-wheel drive sits at the top of the lineup. It is $38,555. So it's not a cheapy cheap SUV, but you're getting a pretty, like you get a lot for that price. And it, it feels like it. It looks like it. The styling and everything is very modern. Everything look, you know, because it's all new for this year, there's nothing like eh, or last year sort of, you know, it looks very automotive forward, uh, instead of fashion forward, automotive forward <laughs> in how it's designed and how it looks. I like it. I mean, this is a, this is a car. I'd be perfectly happy driving if I was looking for a two row SUV, especially for a family, good cargo room, comfy ride, all that good stuff. Yeah. And uh, I was, while you were um, describing it, I was looking to see if they offer the uh, the turbo four cylinder in the Sportage, and they do not. Um, there's, so it's just you have that normally aspirated two point five, or there's a hybrid, yes, uh, and a plug in hybrid variant. I I I want to say it was just a straight up hybrid redrove. I mean, the drive program was a little while ago now, and I'm draw I'm truly drawing a blank. I'm 99% sure it was just the straight up hybrid. I liked that hybrid engine. I liked that powertrain. I thought that was really good. Um, I was a fan. I'm almost positive. It's just straight up hybrid. Forgive me for not remembering which months after the fact. And I didn't look it up before I sat down, but yeah, that, that was, I thought sort of the, of the two I was, I liked the hybrid. I just felt like that was a little, little extra there. So if you're looking for a little bit more, more performance, a little bit stronger performance. I would say the hybrid feels that when you're behind the wheel. So, yeah, and the hybrid's got the 1.6 liter turbo mm -hmm. with the you know with the added electric propulsion. And I actually had one of those. Uh, I had yeah, I had the hybrid back in June. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right. It, it you know if you do want that a little bit of extra performance than what you get with the gas one, then the hybrid's a, a really good choice. Yeah. Or, or the plug-in. You know, which will get you over 30 miles of electric range, too. Right. Excellent. All right. Well, I've driven a couple of different EVs um, since we last spoke. Um, I had, first up, the, the Volvo C40 Recharge Twin Ultimate, um, which is the, uh, <laughs> so the, the C40. Um, when you first look at it, you know, it looks like it's, it's basically just an XC40 with the roof line chopped off to give it a coupish profile. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to call it a coupe because it's not a coupe, but it, you know, it's a fastback crossover. 
Um, but when you look at it in you know look at it closer and you compare it to the XC40, there's actually a lot of some, you know a lot of little detail differences you know that that set it apart from the XC40. Um, and um, you know it's a I think it's a it's a cool looking vehicle. Um, and I you know I drove it uh, back in February, March, April, early this year in Palm <laughs> Springs when they did the drive program. Um, and, uh, you know, was really impressed with it there. So this is the same, you know, it's built on the same platform as the Polestar 2. Um, the, and the Polestar 2 launched with the same dual motor, all wheel drive configuration. They've since added the single motor, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, uh, the C40 only comes as the dual motor. So that's 402 horsepower and 486 foot pounds of torque, which is, Quite a lot, you know. For I mean, this this thing is quick. It's it's shockingly quick uh, for what it is. Um, you know, it's got traditional, you know, Volvo, uh, you know, interior. You know, that's <clears throat> kind of modern, uh, semi minimalist. It, it's not ostentatious. So it's not minimalist, <laughs> but it's, it's not ostentatious. Um, you know, and the the look of the interior is the same as what we've had on the XC40, you know, since it came out I don't know, five, four or five years ago, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, the, the rear seat is, I can sit in, you know, I can put the, the driver's seat, you know, where I would be, I'm 5'11", and I can sit behind myself, but I don't have a whole lot of clearance. But there is adequate headroom, despite the, the, the roof profile. There's, there's, you know, there's definitely adequate headroom. We took it, um, you know, during Labor Day weekend to go to the lake and go paddleboarding. <clears throat> and I had my wife, one of her friends, and Daisy, um, as well as paddleboard in the uh, in the cargo area and a couple of beach chairs. You know, so it definitely passes the paddleboard test. I was able to put the inflatable paddleboard and a couple of uh, beach chairs and, you know, assorted other detritus uh, back there and still have room for three adults and a, and a corgi um inside so that was good um no no complaints uh from the backseat passengers um the uh the c40 uh and the the xc40 recharge the electric versions were are the first volvos were the first volvos to get their android automotive based infotainment system so it's basically the same system that's in the polestar but it does have a different ui in here where the polestar has got like four quadrants on the screen um, on the, the Volvos, they've got like four horizontal bars for the, the current running things that, that are there. Um, and you know, it works fine. You log into, if you have a Google account, you can log in there, download your apps. Um, one thing that uh, was a little disappointing, um, you know, they, they, there is a ChargePoint app that you can download in there. Um, Elect- Electrify America has an Android app in addition to an Apple app, an iOS app. Uh, but they uh, they have not put it in the Play Store for Android Automotive yet, which is uh, a little odd. You know, I would think you know they would want to get that in there for mm-hmm. for since a lot of the cars with Android Automotive happen to be EVs, um, and uh, so um, there you know that. And when I took it to uh, to charge it um, at my local EA station, uh, it was only charging at about 40 kilowatts instead of the 150 kilowatts it's capable of. Um, and like the Polestar 2 that I had recently, when I tried to use my charging cable, my 9.6 kilowatt charging cable, uh, at home, um, 
it would not charge. It would not properly connect. Mm. So apparently it's got the same software in there with the same bug in there that, that Polestar told me about. There's a software <sighs> issue that it would not authenticate with my chart, my particular charging cable. There's something about it. It wouldn't work. Uh, so I did have to use the, the charger that came with the car, mm. uh, but that worked fine. Uh, you know, charges it up. Yeah, does a full charge uh, overnight in about you know six or seven hours, I think. Uh, it's a 78 kilowatt hour battery pack. The the C40 um, does not have a particularly impressive EPA range, um, 226 miles. Um, the uh, the Polestar uh, the two, the dual motor Polestar two is a little bit more than that. I think it's about 235 or something somewhere around there. Um, but you know it's 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 adequate. You know anything over 200 miles you know is is fine. It's mm-hmm. going to be it's going to you know, have, take care of most people's needs without any issue. Um, bottom line price on this, uh, basically the C40 comes with everything pretty much standard. Um, $60,540 and, uh, bids on the de- destination charge. Uh, oh, 920. I was going to go 1325. Robbie wins again. It's Dang, 1095. Wins. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> Uh, so that's the Volvo C40, um, which, you know, if you want a compact, um, you know, stylish looking, uh, EV, um, with, you know, fastback profile, you know, sort of coupish profile, um, that, you know, is feels, feels premium, rides really well, handles well, it's quick, um, you know, definitely worth a look. Um. The other thing that I had uh, earlier this week when I was out in San Francisco, and I saw Robbie there on Tuesday night, um, was uh, a Chevy Bolt. I was out there for a couple of days um, because Cruise was doing an event at their headquarters, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, And I had some other meetings with with some other companies in the Bay Area. Uh, So I got a Chevy Bolt uh, 2LT that I was driving around for a couple of days, and had the the Bolt EUV earlier this summer. Uh, was really impressed with that. I'd previously driven the Bolt in its original form before they updated it, um, gave it a new, you know, updated interior and a bigger battery. Um, <clears throat> and all, I've always liked the Bolt. Uh, and uh, same thing with this one, you know, driving it around the Bay Area, um, mostly highway driving. Uh, so, you know, driving um, 65, 70, 75 miles an hour. Um, had the air conditioning on a lot of the time because uh, it was it got you know fairly warm because there's a lot of glass area on this thing which is great because you got lots of visibility uh, but sitting out in the sun it also means it get it'll get a little warm uh, sitting in the sun lots of solar load um, and um, still managed to average about 3.5 miles per kilowatt hour um, which uh, would have worked out to about about 230 uh, 230-ish miles of range it's rated at 259 uh, EPA which is combined uh, you know so that's you know in, in city driving it's not hard to approach 300 miles with a bolt uh, especially if you're using uh, the one pedal drive mode and you're maximizing that regen um, you know highway driving any EV is going to do worse this one did better than pretty much anything I've driven uh recently on on, you know highway driving consistent highway driving um you know i i I like the way the bolt drives it's great in a city like san francisco you know where it can get crowded and maneuvering trying to parallel park 
um, can be a challenge uh, because it is it's got a nice compact footprint to it, which is which is really good. Um, it's roomy. As I said, one of the things I like about it is the visibility out of it. The the belt line, especially like from where you know from your from just behind you down to the A pillars, it dips down quite a bit. So it's re- you see a lot out of this thing, and you sit fairly upright in it, um, which is you know I mean it's not it doesn't feel like a sports car. Um, but you know, it, it handles quite nicely. Quite, I've always liked the handling of the bolt. Um, and you can see everything around you, which is great. Um, so the bolt that I had, the sticker price on it, on the Monroney is $36,165. Mm. Um, but you know, this was a 22 model, um, uh, and this, this was the two LT, so uh, on the 22 models that, that might still be around, um, GM is giving like $6,000 discounts on them because they had already announced, once they announced the price on the 23 model year cars, which were cut by roughly $6,000, they, they applied the same discount to the 22s. So if you can find a 22 model, uh, you're going to get this one, uh, the 2LT, which is the upper trim level, for about $30,000 out the door. Um, and uh, the the one LT the base model you can get for twenty six and a half twenty seven roughly, um, including delivery. And one of the things I like that GM has done in recent years is um, they actually um, include the de- the destination charge in the price that they advertise. So whatever price they they say if it's twenty six thousand five hundred dollars that includes the destination charge, which is a, I think what everybody should be doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, this, you know, I, I liked, I liked the bolt. Uh, I still like it. I, you know, I think it's aside from the fact that the, uh, DC fast charging is limited to 50 kilowatts. Um, everything else about this, you know, I definitely recommend this to people if they're looking for, you know, a smaller, but still roomy car, um, at, that, um, you know, that, that drives well, it's very efficient, uh, very energy efficient, um, easy to park, um, definitely, definitely worth a look if you're looking for uh, an EV. And you know, at twenty six and a half grand starting price, this is the cheapest EV you're going to find by a wide margin uh, yeah. that, with over two hundred miles of range. Mm. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to Patreon.com/slash/WheelBearingsMedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right. So um, this week uh, was the, um, the return of the Detroit Auto Show after a <laughs> three and a half year hiatus. How was uh, it? There were cars there. There were cars. Um, there were some did, people there. Yeah. Did uh, you go? I, I went today. Yeah. You did I, go. Yesterday, yesterday I was traveling. Yesterday was the media day as we're recording. We're recording this on Thursday night. Yes. Uh, Wednesday was the media day. I was on my way back from San Francisco, so I did not go on the media day. But uh, they, it was still open to media t- today and it was also the industry preview day. Uh, and I went down. I had some meetings with a few different companies there today. Um, and I took a walk around the floor and you know saw the stuff. Um, 
I think you got the better day of the two because I understand yesterday was a bit, shall we say, um, off kilter because there was uh, President Biden decided to visit. Yeah. Which is all well and good, except, yo, Biden, it's the, when media day, you're messing everybody up. So hey. everyone's freaking out because security was very tight. I was, hey. I, I was yeah, seeing pictures in, in my Instagram feed of people you know, showing the hour-long line yes. for security. I think so, if you timed I, it I was right, trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. That's never happened before at the yep. auto show. Even when there were you know five, 6,000 media there, right? we never had that kind of lineup for security. Well, apparently, yeah. it was just the security. And if you got in at the right time, the security was okay. If you didn't get in at the right time, heaven help you getting through the security that was so tight for the president, which I get. The president needs the security. But then if you were trying to leave at the wrong time, too, apparently I had some colleagues who couldn't get out the door they wanted to get out. And it's like, you should go out this way. You should walk that way. You'll go around there. Come back. She's like, I think I walked a mile and I haven't really gotten out of the the area yet to the street. I just want to leave. Yeah. She's like, this is where I live now. So it was chaos a little bit yesterday. So I think you lucked out, Sam. Well, uh, it's funny. I was... I was talking to uh, somebody today who was there yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and she said that um, you know she was in the line for like forty-five minutes or something like that. It was slowly moving forward, and then just as she got up um, to to towards the front of the line, they said, "Okay, everybody can go in now," because uh, apparently uh, he had left the building. He had left. Oh, oh and so they said, "Okay, security's done. <laughs> you can walk in." Like have at and, it. We don't care now. And this morning, you know, I just, I just, you know, flashed my badge, just walked in, you know, nothing. Yeah. yeah. See, so you chose well. <laughs> yes, I, I did. I, I got lucky. And you know, to be fair, um, the few vehicles that were um, being announced for the auto show um, that were that were kind of relevant, um, I had already seen before. I'd been pre-briefed under embargo and had written mm-hmm. stories about them anyway. Um, so let's talk about uh, a couple of those. Um, let's start off with the electric jeeps. Uh, Jeep had their, their four, four by E day last week. Yeah, four by E. And um, they they showed off. They revealed their first three EV Jeeps. Um, and um, one is for Europe only. The other two are both Europe and uh, North America. Um, so let's start with the the Europe model. So earlier this year, Jeep published uh, a couple of images of a cute little yellow crossover that they said was going to be their first EV. Um, and um, that that vehicle is the Jeep Avenger, bringing back a name that uh, I don't think anybody was particularly clamoring for. Um, but uh, the, the, <laughs> the Jeep Avenger is a, a, comp, a subcompact crossover that um, is actually smaller than the Renegade. Which is why they're not even going to bother. To is try it really and sell smaller it. Yeah. than the Renegade? I don't think yeah. I realized that. Yeah, Whoa. it doesn't. Like when you see the the pictures of it in isolation, it doesn't look like it's particularly no, small because it it's doesn't. got the you know fairly big wheels for the size of the 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 vehicle. Yeah. But um, yeah, they they said it's it's quite a bit smaller than the Renegade. Oh, it's a wee little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense enough bringing here, but the fact that it's the Jeep Avenger and it has nothing to do with. The Avengers is breaking my brain. I just, I can't. Like, it's not a, it's not a superhero in any way. Well, color me disappointed. <laughs> so the, the Avenger will have about 250 miles of range, uh, Europe market only, maybe maybe a few other global markets, but, but definitely not North America. Then the next two that they showed off are going to be coming. They, in fact, they're going to be built here. We don't know which plants are going to be built in, but they're going to be built in North America for the North American market and exported to Europe. 
and that is the Jeep Recon and the Wagoneer S. So let's start with the Recon. What do you think? I like it. it looks, I think it looks cool. It looks dude. shorter than it is when you look at it like a three-quarter angle, and then they show a profile like, oh, man, that's a really long. <laughs> it, I li- it's it's, really it's long the same Jeep. size as the Wrangler. It's another Jeep that you can take the doors off of, and it's going to yeah. have the, the, uh, re- the, not the removal roof, the power folding roof. Yeah. I like it. And you can take off the rear, rear quarter windows and the back window as well. Yeah, it's going to be kind of cool. It's, it's like the G, is it bigger or smaller or the same size? It, they said they said it's about the same size as the Wrangler. But the okay. difference is, you know, when you look at the Wrangler, the Wrangler body, the body is actually pretty narrow. Yeah. You know, because you've got these big fenders on it and the the body's narrow, which means narrow. that inside, you know, it feels narrow. It's it's not a it doesn't feel particularly wide in the right. cabin. And um this one when you look at it, it looks more, it looks like kind of a cross between a Land Rover Defender, a Bronco, and the front end of the new Grand Cherokee. The, the kind it's of like a, front. it's like uh, when you get those dogs that are many breeds. It's like, yeah, it's a terrier labradoodle or something. Yeah. And so, but that, what that means is that the, the, you know, the body actually stretches out closer to the perimeter of the vehicle. So it's, it's going to be quite a bit wider inside. So it's like, feeling. so it's the Wrangler's like, Slightly beefier brother. Yeah, slightly more refined brother. Beefier brother. More like refined? he's the lawyer. He's like he's he's got the he's stockier build of the two. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, like it. I think it I think it looks great from what they said. I mean we don't really have any details other than doors come off, roof folds, grill is lighted. Like we don't have the details yeah. of the, the powertrain at all, but I mean, I sort of just judging looks, and I but love the grill. But they said it'll have Wrangler-style off-road capability. Yeah. You know, it's got the oh. wheels pushed to the corners, so really short approach and departure angles, or really steep de- approach and departure angles, and you know, lots of ground clearance and everything. You know, it's, it'll be what people expect of a Jeep. At the grill, yeah. the light-up grill. How cool is the grill? The grill's really cool. Guys, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. It'll, it's all lit up. It's like, because I'm an EV, so I'm going to make my grill electric. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. looks cool. I love how it looks. It's really, really the do. Wrangler most people should buy, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, probably. Right, the people who it buy a Wrangler and who never intend to do anything, like don't necessarily yeah. need Wrangler. They yeah, want that, they want the style, but they don't maybe want the roughness of it. This looks like this is going to be your, is the, your thing. That's your jam, yeah. 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 Like, you know, I want to do a little off-roading. Just a little bit of off-roading, but I want a Wrangler. Oh, no, you don't. You want a recon. (laughs) Well, you want to know that, you know, if for some reason you ever decided to go to the Rubicon Trail or to Moab, you would be perfectly capable of going down that trail. Just offhand. And in the neighborhood. Yeah, Yeah. just found yourself there. Oops, well, I guess this is how I'm going home. You can still do it. I was driving across Utah, and I found myself pulling, you know, driving past the sign that said, Welcome to Moab. So I said, (laughs) what the heck? Let's Why go not? for it. Let's give it a go and see what happens. Let's, what could go wrong? <laughs> nothing, let's, nothing. Let's roll our Jeep onto the side because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I got That's all the things. Happen. I bought all the things. <laughs> it shouldn't have rolled. You're like, well, you don't really know what you're doing. <laughs> Did you bring a spotter? A what? <laughs> oh. A what? What's that for again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and then the, the other one that they showed us is the Wagoneer S, um, which uh, we were told is roughly the same size as a Grand Cherokee. And in many respects, looks a lot like the new Grand Cherokee, you know, especially like the roof line and everything. Um, although, you know, it's a little sleeker looking, you know, a little looks a little more 
I don't know, a little more stylish. The front end is quite a bit different. It's got uh, quite a different take on the on the Jeep front end. Uh, you, know, you still have the seven bars there, but you know, all, you know signature lighting and everything. Um, so this is a lot smaller than the Wagoneers we have today. And they said it's going to offer about 400 miles of range, zero to 16, about three and a half seconds. So, um, what do you think of this one? <laughs> three and a half seconds. Why? Why? Where are you going? Because, because you, you can. Because you because can. You, can. <laughs> you know, I look at this and I'm like, oh, the Pacific is going to be dope. <laughs> <laughs> the electric Pacifica. Now that will be a super van. That's gonna be dope. No, it looks fine. It looks nice. It's you know, it's it's exactly what people want who are looking for a wagoneer. They're looking at the high, you know, Jeeps either you you you're living this off road dream or you're living the high you know, you want an American Land Rover. And I think that's what they're doing. It, they did a good job with this. Well I think you know what what I was thinking when I saw this, you know, when I saw the way they described this, you know, because it's the same size as the Grand Cherokee. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why would you need two Jeeps that are the same size and the same basic form factor? Oh, no. And, <clears throat> you know, but I think what they're trying to do with the Wagoneer sub-brand, you know, it's it's going to be Jeep and Wagoneer like you have Land Rover and Range Rover. Oh, Range yeah. Rovers are the more luxury premium models. And then the Land Rovers, you know, and they, and they still have the off-road capability of a Land Rover. They're just but, fancy. Yeah, they're just fancier. So that's that's what this Wagoneer S is probably going to be, is the, the yeah. fancy Jeep. The fancy Jeep. Yeah. I think it looks I, – I, I'm happy to see both of these. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see them both. I think this and the Recon are both going to be pretty, pretty good yeah. vehicles. I think they're going to be positively received. I mean, we don't know how it's all going to work out until we get more than – the cursory information which yeah. we've been providing. Just all remember that the 500e was the best Fiat. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, it's, it so, absolutely was. FCA, which is now part of Stellantis, it's gonna yeah. Just do what you did with that car, but you know, update it, whatever. But and everything will be fine. Yeah. The world will be a happier place. Yeah, we'll be so, happy. So the, the Recon and the Wagoneer S are both launching in 2024. Mm-hmm. The Avenger for our friends in Europe. Will um, they'll be showing it at the Paris Auto Show next month, and then it goes on sale early in 2023. Um, and by 2025, they will or is it 25 or 24? 25 by 25, no, sorry, by 24, by the end of 24, they will have four battery electric Jeeps, mm-hmm. both in North America and in Europe. And they're you know for those that might be a little disappointed by the recon. Thinking that oh no they're you know they're, they're not going to have a Wrangler EV there will in fact be a battery electric Wrangler too there will be a battery I mean they've just gone off the Magneto yeah. they've been they've been teasing that thing for, oh, for yeah. too yeah. long and by by the end of twenty five early twenty six they're going to have EVs in every market segment the Jeep is in today so from the Renegade up through the Wagoneer the, the big Wagoneer there will be electric version battery electric yeah, versions definitely. All right, uh, another EV that was shown before the auto show, um, but is on the show floor. So if you're, if you happen to be going down to Huntington Place, as it's now known, uh, no longer no longer named for the racist former mayor of Detroit, um, it's it's on the Chevy stand, uh, the Equinox EV, um, which is supposed to have a starting price when it launches next fall of thirty thousand dollars. With um, with a with a two hundred and fifty mile range, um, and what do you what what do you think of the Equinox EV? 
I think it's, I mean, you know what, after driving the Bolt EUV and just being so impressed with how much that, how, how much GM has learned building EVs just between the Bolt and the Bolt EUV, and it's still on the old, it's on the old architecture. So Bolt, with, yeah. Yeah, so with, with Ultium, I think, and you know, $30,000, I mean, how can, yeah, and, and, and no one's cared about an Equinox until now. To be honest, I mean that's true words. That's... And and, dis- and and despite that, it's still the second best selling Chevrolet behind the Silverado. Yeah, it's is just it the really? Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a thing. Oh, you know, I need a car. It just it's sort of just sort of invisible. It's an invisible car up until now <laughs> that they sell a ton. It's of. like Wonder Woman's yeah, car, sell, like yeah, the invisible like the, jet. <laughs> it's like the 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 Ford Escape. You know, yeah. like the Ford Escape is sort of invisible. It's just sort of there. But they sell a ton of them. I remember when I did a drive program once. They're like, "What do you think?" And I'm like, "It doesn't matter. <laughs> You're gonna <laughs> sell a ton of these. People are gonna buy this because it's just it's it's the right price point. It's what people want. It's not. It doesn't have to be flashy or exciting. It just does the thing that people want. And I think the Equinox did that forever. And now it looks cooler. Yeah. It, it's it's actually surprisingly quite a bit longer than the gas Equinox as well. It's like seven inches longer uh, with a nine inch longer wheelbase. So you're gonna get some more. That's a good uh, bit. Yeah. Space. Yeah. They'll have two battery sizes um, and front wheel drive or all wheel drive. So the front wheel drive extended range one is supposed to have 300 mile range, um, and then for the all wheel drive extended range, it'll be 280. Um, and um, about 290 horsepower with the all-wheel drive. So it's, you know, I I think that this is probably actually going to be the most important EV that GM launches in the next couple of years. You oh, know, yeah. The, the Silverado, you know, is going to get a lot of attention, but, it, you know, yeah. it's, it's, and they're going to sell a ton of them, but it's, you know, it's going to be really expensive, um, way more expensive than this. And, you know, this is probably going to, you know, between somewhere, you know, starting at 30, probably max out somewhere in the low mid 40s. You know, so it's right in the same ballpark as a typical gas compact crossover, you know, the same size. I, I think I think this is this thing's going to sell like crazy. Oh, yeah. It's going to be the invisible car. Or, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's gonna, I mean, it looks way cooler than the current Equinox and it looks more exciting, but it's it's also going to continue that invisible sort of like car that blends into the background that everyone's buying all right the uh the other new car that was announced at the auto show um and this one actually was revealed as part of the show it wasn't uh it wasn't revealed a week ago you know and then just put on the stand this was actually shown as part of the event uh is the 2024 mustang ford mustang uh not the maki but the the gas mustangs um and it's built on an updated version of the same platforms, the current Mustang, um, but revised styling. What do you think of the design of this one? I like the interior changes more than the exterior changes. Is that fair? No, that's perfectly fair. fair. Yeah. I, I don't know. What did you guys think? It's just, I mean, every, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it feels like a design refresh. More than anything, but it's got like the inside. But it's like, yeah, the outside isn't. Yeah, yeah. You're like it's a little angrier. It's a little. Uh, oh, well, and, and I went to a backgrounder last week and saw it, you know, in, in private before the show. Yeah. And you know that was one of the things they acknowledged that they were they were never entirely happy with the design of the of the front end design of the current Mustang of the S550, and so they wanted to do something different. And 
yeah, I agree. It looks angrier. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I th- I'm not sure. I agree. It looks better. Maybe that's it. Like it's it. I don't know. I that maybe that's why I'm not super. It's not like wow, this looks so much better. I'm like, well, it looks different. It's been altered. Someone's I, getting someone's getting punched. That's what's going. On. <laughs> <laughs> the new Mustang. We're gonna punch somebody. We're gonna punch somebody. Like it looks. I don't think it looks bad. I just think it's not. It's not like this. I know it's an all new and all that, but it doesn't make this like huge leap forward on the outside. Although I'm fine with how it looks, I do think the inside looks dramatically different with the it's, screens. Yeah. So, like, truly, when you look on the outside, you're like, oh yeah, okay, they revised it, and it almost feels just refreshy. Like it doesn't feel all newish. Then when you look at the inside and you compare the old one to the new one, suddenly there's a dramatic difference. You're like, okay, yeah, this is all new, and it looks much. I think the inside. Makes it like the old one. It, it looked dated just because of the way the instrument cluster was done and the old all the things. Kind of this very old school gauge style. At least well, that's ha- how it seemed to me. Now, screens everywhere you look. Screens. Screens. Um, I, I I'm you know they have those weird faux metal like levers. Rockers. Yeah, yeah. rockers. Which weren't rockers. They only went one way. Yeah. Half of them, and they were plastic, and they felt plastic, and you're just like, oh, you. Could, Five bucks, ten bucks, twenty right. bucks, a hundred bucks. Throw the extra hundred dollars. Bring up the price of the car another hundred dollars, and just make these like nice, like metal, like a mini, like the right. <laughs> like if mini can like do it, Ford can do it. And now they just like ah, you know what? Just get rid of them. <laughs> so does the inside? You've seen this in person, Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And does the inside look not just the style that we see in the images, but does it? Is it better quality-wise? Do you think it looks like they did some? They spent the hundred dollars. Robbie just asked him to spend to make things yeah. better. Yeah, no, it, it it definitely looks more premium. Yeah, uh, the materials, you know, look look a little better. Um, they one of the things they they talked about, you know, the the interior design uh, lead, the, the color and materials uh, lead. She talked about how you know where it's synthetic materials, you know, where they like plastics and stuff where they traditionally would have done something that looks like animal graining on there, like mm-hmm. a, a leather type of graining. Mm-hmm. They got rid of that and went for, uh, you know, something that is a more obviously synthetic, you know, technical, they call it a technical graining, uh, you know, and there's a couple of different surfaces, you know, depending on what trim levels you get, you know, one that they refer to as white noise, you know, that, um, you know, there's not, there's not a distinct pattern to it, or certainly not a repeating pattern that you can detect in there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely looks a little more premium, and you know, with the the big screens, and so the the screens on on all but the base EcoBoost version, there's one large panel that spreads across in front of the the driver and across the center of the dash, um, but there's kind of a step in there so the 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 center touch screen is a little bit closer to you and there's the same 13.2 inch display that they have on a bunch of the other newer fords and lincolns is there and then a 12 and a half inch cluster display um one of the one of the funny things they they talked about the for the cluster you can pick from a bunch of different design themes in there and one of the themes that you can select is for the gauges is fox body mustang so the the gauge there's is a digital rep, representation of the the gauges you would have gotten on a late 80s Mustang like oh the that's one that funny I, like the one I had um, 
Yeah, and uh, you know, there's a few other themes you can you can choose from. What one in talking about how they you know kind of what the strategy was with this? Yeah, they talked about you know trying to pull in you know looking for what younger buyers are looking for. You know, it's funny. You know, uh, I was thinking about it afterwards. Um, you know, when they created the original Mustang, you know, when they were conceiving it fifty years or sixty years ago. Um, you know, the goal was to try to create something to appeal to people who were, you know, the baby boomers that were just starting to hit driving age. They were hitting, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. Mm. And, you know, at that time, you know, GM brought out the Corvair and, you know, there were other things, other small cars that were appealing to, to younger buyer, you know, younger drivers. And so they created the Mustang to appeal to those people. Um, and you know, it still appeals to, you know, those same people that were 16 in 1964. <laughs> the exact same people. <laughs> the, the problem is those people aren't going to live forever. Well, maybe it's yeah. not a problem, but you know, the, the, the reality is those people are not going to live forever. And yeah. so they need to attract younger buyers. And so, you know, younger buyers are often looking for technology and, you know, and how to personalize it and personalize the car in different ways. And so hence you've got these big screens and, you know, they get rid of the, the twin pod dash layout like they've had for many years, uh, going back to the originals, you know, and you, you've got these screens um, and different themes, lots of animations. They, they used Unreal Engine to create the graphics and the animations on the screens, So it looks really cool, um, it, which, you know, is fine. You know, it doesn't necessarily make it drive any better. But, you know, it is what it is. And um, uh, one of the interesting technical changes features that they created, they, they've gone to an electric park brake, like most new cars have. Mm-hmm. But on the GT, you can get what they call the electric drift brake. And they worked on this with Von Gittin Jr., you know, who's a, a drift racer. And so instead of, you know, on most on most of the trim levels, you get just the usual you know, kind of pull up switch on the dashboard that you, yeah. you often find on newer vehicles for the park brake. Uh, and that's what you get on most Mustangs. But if you get the GT with, I think it's the performance pack or, you know, there's, there's certain option packages, mm-hmm. you get what looks like a traditional park brake lever. I can see that the interior shot that I have up on my screen yeah. must be that because yeah. it looks like there's a traditional parking brake just to the side, like right by your thigh, like it's on yeah. the, like on the but side. But it actually of the activates console. an electric park brake. Yeah. And when, when you go in and into the the menus on the screen, you have to go. Normally, it acts like a regular park brake, so it you know it engages you know relatively slowly. Mm. Um, but when when you go into the menus and you go into track mode, you can turn on drift brake. And so when you pull up the handle, it's almost in- instantaneous, like five times the the brake pressure that you get from a mechanical cable operated park Whoa, brake like you had in the old Mustang. That could be fun. And yeah, you know, so they you know, cuz they were, they had they were working with getting on this, you know, and the original their original thought was, you know, to make it so you can, you know, you can pull it up, you can control how much braking force you get from it, you know, by the position just like you would with a mechanical one. And he said, "No, no, no, for for a drift brake, I just want it on or off. And and when it's on, I want it on like now." You know, full full braking force to get to initiate. So the that's drift. what they did. That's what they did. That's kind of neat. You know, doing it in software, you can do you can do that. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it you know it'll be interesting to see how that how that works. Uh, 
Engine-wise, uh, still got the 2.3-liter four-cylinder EcoBoost and the 5-liter Coyote V8, uh, both with more power, supposedly more efficiency this time. Um, no more manual transmission with the four-cylinder, though. Bye-bye. Yeah, but the V8, the GT, you still get a manual. Um, and uh, they said they were selling less than 10% of the, the four-cylinders with a manual, so they said, Oh, Forget well, it. What are you gonna not, do? It's not worth certifying. No one's it. buying it. Doesn't make sense but, to make it. But yeah, ha- half yeah. of the V8 customers go for a manual, so they they said, it, "Yeah, we'll do that one." That's good. So um, half. So that's, that's a good. That's a nice number. Good job, V8 yeah. GT. <laughs> and then customers. What was what was really wild? I I wasn't actually at the reveal event last night because I was just arriving home from San Francisco, uh, but um, they. Um, they actually had some surprises that they didn't tell us about at the backgrounder. They, <gasps> they announced Dark Horse, which is the Mustang Dark Horse is the new perf- higher performance variant. So this replaces the current Mach 1. Um, so you're going to have uh, something like 500 horsepower from the, the Dark Horse Mustang. And then there's going to be a whole series of or a couple of uh, Dark Horse uh, track cars. So the Dark Horse S, uh, both the Dark Horse S and the Dark Horse R are track-only models. They're not street legal. The Dark Horse S is designed for just regular track days. You know, you take it to the track, drive it on the track. The Dark Horse R is designed as a uh, for, like, single-make race series. So something like, you know, uh, MX, Mazda MX-5 Cup or, you know, Porsche Carrera Cup, that sort of thing. So they're, they're, look, they're looking at... Um, setting up some single make race series for the uh, um, the Dark Horse R, um, and then they also showed off the uh, the upcoming GT3 Mustang for the GT FIA GT3 class for racing, um, and uh, um, also a GT4 variant that's going to be a little lower performance, a little lower price uh, as well. So, lots of Mustang stuff yesterday. All sorts of Mustang fun to be had. Mustangs. Yes. On the street or on the track. Um, so, uh, let's see. Ram made an announcement, too, actually just before the show, um, that um, they're discontinuing the Ram 1500 diesel, which probably bum, bum, shouldn't bum. come as a surprise to anybody. <gasps> um, but if you if you still want a Ram diesel, a Ram 1500 diesel, better get your order in now because uh, production ends next February. Uh, and after that, no more. No more. Bye-bye. Uh, yep. You need to haul stuff without a gigantic giant truck? Yeah. 1,500 diesel. And you know, even, even with a heavy load, you know, that 3-liter that diesel still gets great fuel economy. It doesn't really oh, seem yeah. to degrade the fuel economy at all. All right. Uh, one more, and then uh, we'll have a, a final segment uh, that uh, Nicole and I actually recorded last week. Yes. Um, but before we get to that... Um, the reason I was in San Francisco and dun, dun, dun. hanging out with Robbie, uh, we visited uh, Cruise headquarters. And Cruise is the uh, automated driving company that uh, GM acquired in 2016, I think. Yeah, 16. They've been yeah, working right. on um, autonomous vehicles for GM. Um, and in June of this year, Cruise finally got their permit to um, allow them to do paid driverless rides in San Francisco. 
Um, and uh, we got to, to tour cruise headquarters and see their hardware labs and all the stuff they're working on and see the Origin, the latest versions of the Origin, uh, which is their purpose-built robo-taxi. Then we went for a ride. And um, how was it? Well, what did you think, Robbie? It was uneventful, which is exactly what it should be. There was yeah. there were there were two instances where while I was in the vehicle, uh, people who were parked alongside the road, they opened their door, and it slowed down a bit and made sure there was no vehicles coming in. There was a vehicle coming, but it was pretty far away, like a block away, and it put its left blinker on and went slightly into the other lane, and then it came back into its own lane, and then it happened again. And it did it again, and then um, and then it took me back to where we were. It was pretty, yeah. It's 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 a little, you know, it's it's a bit more cautious than our, your average driver, which it's a robot, so I'm fine with that. It takes a little bit longer for it to make a right turn. It takes a little bit longer for it to go at a four-way stop, uh, left turns, and as someone who's had to deal with these vehicles um, in San Francisco, it's better than it was. Because before, you'd be stuck behind one, taking a left turn, like, oh, this is going to take all day. <laughs> I'm so never getting there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So it's it's definitely not as aggressive as, say, the person who ended up giving me a ride later after the event in the lift. Yeah. Um, I had my first opportunity to ride in one of Cruz's vehicles. You know, and these, these vehicles that they're running right now are modified Chevy Bolts. Um, and I had my first ride in one of the Cruz Bolts back uh, at the end of 2017. And that was the last time that they did media rides until this week. Um, and they, at that time, the, the car worked. It did all the things. It, it made all the right decisions in terms of where to go, when to go. But it was really rough. And the, the way I describe it is if you've uh, ever been in a car with a teenager that just got their learner's permit, and they're trying to learn how to drive, they're always a little bit too hard on the brake, a little mm-hmm. bit too hard on the gas. They jerk the steering wheel instead of smoothly, you know, putting in, you know, breaking the steering angle. And that's what the Bolt was like in 2017. Yeah. Now there was none of that. It was smooth, refined. You know, it was, you know, way better than any cab driver I've ever been in, been with. And, <laughs> you know, I over... It's been almost 15 years since I had my first ride in an automated vehicle at CES in January 2008. Um, I, I rode in the, the Chevy Tahoe that won the DARPA Urban Challenge. Um, and I've ridden in many different uh, autonomous vehicles since then. And this was the very first time that I have been in an AV on public roads with no safety driver, no minder from the company. They just handed me a, an iPhone with the cruise app on it and said, here you go. Just put in your destination anywhere in the service area, which is about a third of the city of San Francisco uh, right now, and it'll take you there. And, you know, and there was no prescribed route. It just, you know, said wherever you want to go. You can put in any, any random address in the area. It'll take you there. And so for the next 40 minutes, I just, you know, kept putting in different destinations and, it took me there, you know, you know, as soon as I put in a destination, showed the you know, the route that it came up with on the map on the screen in front of me, and then went on its merry way. Um, you know, when it was making a, a le- an unprotected left turn, uh, you know, uh, waited for the, the left turn signal. There was uh, some pedestrians crossing you know, on the sidewalk. It had pulled slightly into the intersection. It waited there until the pedestrians were clear, 
then you know finish the turn um it you know when there was somebody double parked um and you know unloading some stuff from their car you know it pulled up uh you know it was pulling up behind it um slowed down eased over a little bit so it could see around it to see if it was all clear when it saw it was clear it went around and continued on its way um when towards the end of the ride when we got um back to the uh, the restaurant that was the staging area um there was a four-way stop there it pulled up to the um the four-way stop stopped started to go and just as it started to go some pedestrians decided to cross the street there and so it stopped and waited for the pedestrians to get clear and then proceeded on its way um so yeah it was it was really really good this this was the best i've experienced to date now granted you know 9 30 you know on a tuesday night in san francisco you know in uh you know in the northern western part of the city i, I don't know what those neighborhoods were the uh, richmond district essentially the yeah. richmond richmond and pacific heights it's it's pretty it's of, of the city it's pretty chill area to yeah. be driving around so there was not a huge amount of traffic but there was some you know and you know fair amount of pedestrians uh to deal with so you know it did it did good i, I was impressed and yeah, it, uh, was, it seems they they seem and, to be doing what they're supposed to do. So good job and, on and that. They, and they also announced that on Monday, on the day before, they announced, uh, Kyle Vogt, the CEO of Cruise, announced that uh, within the next ninety days, they're going to be adding driverless robo taxi services in Phoenix and Austin, Texas. Mm. Um, and they've been testing in Phoenix for a while, doing deliveries with Walmart for about a, lot, a year and a half now. So they know the Phoenix area, but they have never tested in Austin. They have no. They've not done any mapping. They haven't done anything in Austin. They are mm. starting from scratch, and they expect to be up and running with driverless robo taxis in three months. Wow! So uh, that'll be interesting to watch to see how that works out. Yeah, I asked them about the other seventy percent of San Francisco, and they, you know, they said that they're doing this this thirty percent at night during you know between ten p.m. and five thirty a.m. because they wanted to sort of slowly roll out. They wanted to prove that it'll work. Um, and so now they're 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 talking to the city about permitting for more of the city and extended hours. So, you know, it it, it wasn't it was it. They told me it was more of a this is we don't want to just jump into the fire. We want mm-hmm. like ease up to the fire. That's fair. <laughs> just so, slowly approach is, yeah, the fire. <laughs> slowly approach the fire. And you know they had the hiccups. They had the the one vehicle that was pulled over by the cop. And then pulled away, and then they had all of them like trapped at one point. They had a bunch of them trapped at an intersection at one point, and then they had a there was a there was an accident with a left turn, unprotected left turn, and so you know they, they, the response was that these are hiccups, these are parts of you know scaling and stuff. And we're like, uh, okay, the learning least, process. Yeah, the learning process. I mean, it's 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 definitely nowhere near as horrible as what's happened with like Uber's um, testing. They haven't killed anybody yet. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, if they, that's always a plus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and the only other thing we've got for this week. Um, last week, uh, Nicole and I recorded a segment that uh, I put on the Patreon feed for our supporters there, um, and that was our impressions, our drive impressions of the new Lexus RX. Um, and I will drop that in here. The two of us were both out in Santa Barbara. Was it last week? Week before? I, I it's a blur. Yet. My last couple of weeks have been a blur, Sam. It was recently. Recent. <laughs> recently, <laughs> we were in Santa Barbara <laughs> to, to drive the new 2023 Lexus RX. 
Um, and we drove it from uh, a hotel in Santa Barbara up into the hills, into the wine country, to a winery. Um, and uh, got to try four different flavors, um, at least four different flavors of the RX. I don't know how many flavors of wine you tried. The, the, the wine that was offered after the drive was over, there were like five different kinds. So okay. there's more wine than there were RXs. Okay. So um, we saw the, we we saw the new RX in June uh, mm-hmm. at Toyota Palooza-thon in uh, in Plano. That's when they did the global unveiling of it. Um, yes. And I don't know about you, but when I saw it, aside from some changes to the front fascia, the grill area, to kind of give it a little bit less of the spindle look. Mm-hmm. It struck me as not looking dramatically different from the previous RX. No, it was. It's a very small forward. They say it. They say they got rid of the spindle grill in favor of. I think they called it like a spindle body or something. They actually had a yeah. name for it. Like it was fancy marketing speak to me. Like we didn't make it quite so like in your face. Um, so I definitely think that's true. But I don't. Yeah, I didn't think that it was this giant change. Like you look at it. You kind of have to almost look at it really, truly right from the front before you think, oh, wait, this is different. Yeah, I mean, the, the greenhouse, the, the glass area and the roof and everything looks virtually identical. You, mm-hmm. you know, if you didn't know better, we'd think that they were the same parts. In fact, they may well be you the same parts. don't know that they're not. That's true. <laughs> and, you know, the, the shaping, you know, the, the sides have been subtly reshaped, but not dramatically so. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, the, the grill is the main thing that's changed. Um, and you know, kind of the top part of the spindle where it flares back out again at the top has been made more solid. So it doesn't mm-hmm. look so much like the spindle. Um, I think it looks, I do like that. Cause I've always felt like yeah. the spindle, I know that it's a signature thing for them, but I felt like it was a little much depending on the vehicle. Some, you know, which exact Lexus you're looking at. Sometimes yeah. you're like, Oh, that works. Other times you're like, Oh Lord. Okay. <laughs> is there anything besides this grill on this car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, it works great on the LC. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, maybe on the LS, but uh, most of the other ones, it's kind of hit and miss. Yeah, exactly. But, all right. But the rest of the vehicle mm-hmm. is completely different. Yes. Even though it's exactly the same length as before. Yes. Um, it does have, I think about a two and a half inch longer wheelbase. Right. Um, and a, which is supposed to make the leg room better, but we don't have a measurement of how much better. Because they right. didn't have that yet. <laughs> they haven't given us those dimensions, and we didn't we didn't have a back to back to compare it against the the old one uh, to to try it out. Um, but uh, you know, it it should also help with ride quality a little bit. You know, a little mm-hmm. extra wheelbase never hurts there. Um, it's also two hundred pounds lighter, uh, depending on the configuration, up to two hundred pounds lighter, which that's definitely a good thing. Yeah. Um, and for the first time, I think ever. Since the original RX came out like 25 years ago, there's no V6 engine. It's oh, really? For, yeah, there's no no V6 engines That's this, the first, this time around. I didn't around. know that was the first time. I, I knew that it didn't have one, but I didn't realize that was like a, the first time ever. Yeah, from from the very wow. beginning, it's always had V6 engines. You know, whether it was just a straight up gas V6 or uh, a hybrid, it always had a V6 engine in there. And now it's all four cylinders uh, with a mix of 2.4 liter. Uh, turbocharged four cylinders and 2.5 liter naturally aspirated four cylinders, depending on yes. which configuration you get. Because um, there are very, I, 
I literally have it in front of me and I still feel like I have to look at it because it's one of those like a 2.5, but that's turbo, but that's not, but that's the hybrid, but that's not a hybrid. It's very confusing. <laughs> so let's start from the, from the base model, the RX yeah. 350, which in the past would have been a 3.5 liter V6. Now mm -hmm. it's a 2.4 liter four cylinder turbo, um, front wheel drive, all wheel drive, 275 horsepower. Um, what did you think of this one? I thought it was good. Actually, I didn't, I, I thought it was responsive. That was the one I drove for the very first leg of the various legs. They had us driving. We drove from the hotel to the winery that sort of served as the hub for the program. And I thought it was nice. I mean, it, traffic wasn't super heavy. It was a little bit of highway, a little bit of winding roads. And I thought it was a nice, well-mannered engine option. It's not going to knock your socks off. It's, it's not super aggressive, but I also didn't feel like it was underpowered. No, I, I agree. And, and in fact, you know, the, the, this Turbo 4 has considerably more torque than the old V6 did. Uh, similar amount of power, but more torque. And with the lighter weight, you know, I think it, it feels a little more, um, a, a little, a little more sprightly. <laughs> it, yes, sprightly. It, I like that word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it it def definitely feels more responsive uh, when yeah. you're driving it, which which I think is a good thing. I think um, anybody who drove the prior generation that drove that would would agree that if you, especially if you did it back to back, you'd probably see a big difference. Yeah. And this one is better to drive. So next up in the lineup is the RX 350H. Um, which is the standard hybrid. We used to have a 450H, which was a V6 hybrid. This is the 350 with a 2.5 liter four cylinder. So this is what something Toyota has been doing in the last couple of years um, as they redesigned some of their vehicles. They started with the Highlander. The Highlander also had a V6 hybrid combination. And when they redesigned it, it went to a four cylinder hybrid, a lot more fuel efficient. It's got uh, 33 miles per, ga per gallon combined rating uh for the um for this one or not that's what they're estimating right now because it's not it's not officially certified yet but 33 is is yeah. pretty good for vehicle this type um and um 246 horsepower 233 foot pounds of torque um what did you think about this one i like this one this actually of the powertrains and there were four that we drove this is sort of my fate this is the one i go for i thought this was the because it was it was balanced it it's going to get a little bit better fuel economy we don't like you said we don't have the numbers um i thought it handled nicely i thought it had enough oomph uh, i was pleased with this one and i thought it accelerated relatively smoothly while i was driving it didn't have any of that sort of herky-jerky thing they the base engine gets an eight-speed auto this gets a cvt and i thought it was a decent CVT on this one. See, I think maybe the problem was I, I made the mistake of driving this after I drove the RX 500. Oh, that um, was a mistake, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> and after driving that one, this one felt kind of sluggish. And, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's got the classic Toyota Lexus hybrid system, you know, like you said, with the CVT, which means that, you know, when you're accelerating, you can hear the engine rev up to... 4,000 RPM and, and sit there while you're accelerating, waiting for the vehicle speed to catch up to it. Mm -hmm. And I found this one less pleasant. Um, really? and, and, and particularly compared to the last RX I drove, which was the 450H, you know, with the V6 and the, <clears throat> and the same hybrid system, you know, that one felt a lot stronger. Uh, that one was, you know, closer to about, I think over, a little over 300 horsepower. Uh, with that combination, whereas this is 246, um, and even though it's lighter, this one felt less fun 
to drive. So you were you were Matt on this one. See, I drove this one. I had the plug-in before this one. I we had a 15-minute drive that we like literally they gave us because they had one plug-in hybrid that it was kind of like if you want to get behind the wheel just so you can have a few minutes behind the wheel, drive it, but you got to bring it back 15 minutes. So I had a really short drive in that, and then I went to this one. So maybe that colored my yeah. <laughs> opinion a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they they only had the the one plug-in, um, mm-hmm. and it was a European spec plug-in. So right. we don't we don't know the full specs of that one, but we can we can speculate on that. So we don't um, even know like <laughs> that's the Euro spec one. Even if we had that had it here, which we don't yet, would it be that way, or would something change? Like we drove another version. <laughs> you yeah. may ever you may or may not ever see on these shores. And yeah, so yeah, so the the plug-in hybrid is launching right away in Europe, right? <clears throat> Whereas we're not going to see that one until sometime first half of 2023. Uh, so sometime uh, probably probably later in the spring, that one will launch yeah. in in the U.S. market. Um, and the main difference with the plug-in hybrid, besides having a bigger battery. Um, they, again, they didn't give us the, the full specs of what we were driving, but I think we can probably pretty safely assume that it's going to be roughly the same as what's already in the RAV4 prime, Mm -hmm. um, because that powertrain is already certified, EPA certified and everything. And in the RAV4 prime, that one has, you have the front hybrid drive system with the 2.5 liter engine, uh, and also, uh, a rear electric motor. Um, with um, 100, or sorry, with 53 horsepower uh, and 89 foot-pounds of torque, um, which gives you a combined total of 302 uh, horsepower uh, with that plug-in hybrid powertrain, and it's all-wheel drive only. Uh, and in the Rav4, I think it's rated EPA rated at uh, about 40 or 41 miles of electric range uh, with the 18 kilowatt-hour battery pack. Um, because this the RX is a little bit bigger than the RAV, uh, mm-hmm. and a little bit heavier, um, that will probably drop to somewhere in the low 30s, probably probably about thir- so between 32 and 35 miles of electric driving range, which is still really good. Yeah, that's that's not bad. I mean, it's lower, but it's still a decent EV range, you know. Yeah, it's enough, you know, for most people to do their daily driving without using any without using any gas, uh, as long as you plug it in every night. Right. So. So that's the the RX 450H plus, uh, <laughs> and then the fourth and final variant is the RX 500H F Sport Performance, yes. which has the same 2.4 liter turbo that's on the base 350, plus it adds a new version of Toyota's hybrid system, uh, and this is the first one that they've done at least with a transverse engine. That is not that doesn't have a CVT. It's got a standard six-speed automatic, um, and because this is the performance variant, 367 horsepower, 406 pounds-feet of torque, um, this one really gets up and goes. It does. It, it's definitely the most aggressive a lot. But when they were, I can't remember the fuel economy numbers that I'm trying to find them that Lexus gave us as their estimates because, like you said, we 26. don't have the EPA numbers. So it's 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 a little bit of a drop there, like. Well, from- it's slightly better. the the base The base three hundred and fifty is twenty four. Mm-hmm. The three hundred and fifty H is thirty three. This is twenty six. So you get a couple more miles per gallon than the base model. Significantly better performance. Yes, that's true. I don't know. I feel like when you buy a hybrid, like you're 
you, you're buying it because you're trying to get better fuel economy and I guess, you know, save the planet, whatever. But I mean, you're like trying to do that, but you also want that fuel economy. And I feel like you're getting a lot more performance with this one, but your fuel economy bump is so small compared to the the gas engine. You know what I mean? I don't know if it... it well, and I, I mean, that's why they call this one the F-Sport because this is the performance model. So yeah. it's performance first. But what you're, what they're doing is they're giving you the performance without sacrificing fuel economy. I guess the way that's true. They I guess if you would. look at it that way. Yeah, yeah. this was just a straight up gas engine. The numbers would be way worse. Yeah. So maybe that's it. I just, my brain is like, no, hybrid should all be better. And this one's like, ooh, it, like it's, it just drops so much from the, the non-performance hybrid. It freaks out my brain a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's uh, it's also what got what they're calling direct for all-wheel drive. So it ha- it also, like the plug-in hybrid, it also has an electric motor on the rear axle. But unlike the, the plug-in um, and also the, um, the 350H, which is also all-wheel drive, mm-hmm. on the, the regular hybrids, they bias it towards front-wheel drive. And they basically only kick in the the rear electric motor when you're looking for maximum acceleration or when you're getting slip on the front wheels. Mm-hmm. So it's basically front front wheel drive with some rear drive added on, you know, as needed for, for right. slip control. This one is biased more towards the rear and more better balanced um, and doing at least some front to rear, but not in a, not side to side torque vectoring to help with the vehicle dynamics and, and to help it turn in a little better. Um, and driving on some of those curvy roads, uh, you know, we took the, the, the 30 minute loop out from mm-hmm. the winery, um, okay. with, with this one and on the, 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 the curves there as you get, before you get back out to kind of the highway, um, there's, there's a quite a twisty bit of road there. Um, uh, mm-hmm. this thing was surprisingly fun to drive more, more fun than I've ever had in an RX, you know, in yeah, no, I did, the last I, couple I of generations of RX. It was fun, but you know, I would say that overall, that I found this to, that this RX to be, you know, aside from the fact that the styling doesn't strike you as immediately different, when you drive this, it does feel like a new RX. It does yeah. feel like they have this. The looks of it may not seem like a giant leap forward, but driving it, you're like, oh, they put some work into this. The powertrains, the handling, all of it, you can really feel it. Each one of these has its own unique feel to it. They're they're four very different you know, driving styles, I guess, or driving characteristics to them, but they do feel like it's, this is all a step forward for, for the RX. So I think, I think people who are looking at the RX or people who are, you know, they're fans of it or considering it are going to be really pleased with what Lexus did in this generation. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. This, you know, this one overall across the board drives way better than, than any previous mm-hmm. version of the RX. Yeah. All right. So, the other thing that, you know, besides powertrains that has been su- substantially changed is the interior. Mm-hmm. There's no more trackpad. Praise the Lord, the trackpad is gone. I the trackpad is thing. dead. I hated that thing. I hated <laughs> it. Was, it was pretty awful. <laughs> it was awful. And they were always like, no, you know, we made it better. I'm like, no, you just made it awful in a different way. Every time we tried <laughs> to change how it didn't, how it never worked right. Um, and the new system is so good. It's so good. I really, really like the new system. Do you like it, Sam? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely vastly superior to the previous generations of Lexus infotainment. Uh, there's still a couple of issues I have that are common, you know, because the the basic 
underpinnings of this are shared across Lexus and new Toyota vehicles. So mm -hmm. it's the same basic infotainment system, slightly different skins on it. Right. Um, from a functional standpoint, my, my only real complaint with it is this has a 14-inch touchscreen. So it's a pretty good-sized touchscreen. Mm -hmm. But Toyota and Lexus's decision to only allow you to have one thing on the screen at a time. Oh, um, you know, you've got a lot of screen real estate there, not having the ability to um, have, you know, like a, a main larger pane and then a smaller pane for your navigation on the, on the big pane and then, um, you know, your media controls on the smaller pane. So you could, you know, hit fast forward or, or hit pause and things like that mm -hmm. um, without without having to switch modes, you know, just have yeah. it, have it readily accessible there. And I've had the same complaint complaint with the newer Toyotas. Uh, it's a fairly minor complaint uh, because you can also do a lot of that stuff with voice control. True. Assuming the voice control works. But I feel like, I feel like it's pretty good. Like I tried it and I, I feel like it's better than some of them. Less often did I find myself, yelling at it you know you'll do the you just have to say hey is it just hey lexus you have to yeah. say or so instead of doing like hey lexus turn up the radio hey lexus, the radio. <laughs> i never got to that volume <laughs> so, so it listened to me more and heard me eventually um and i love that it responds it knows whether it's the driver or the passenger yeah because if you look up on the headliner there's two there's a microphone on each yeah. side yeah and so, so whoever knows, talks, it yeah. then responds in that direction. If the passenger, yeah, the you'll hear it asking, coming out of the speakers on one yeah, side or the other, which makes it feel like, oh, it knows me, it, yeah. it sees me. <laughs> well, therein lies the problem. Yes. So when I've when I've tried this system previously on on the NX and on the Tundra and the BZ4X, okay. it actually worked really well, and the voice yeah. control always worked really well. But there was something in the vehicles that they had at this drive, pre-production software. I don't, I don't know what the, the issue was. Um, but I was driving a Tanya Gazdick. Yeah. And it absolutely refused to respond to my voice. Really? Yeah. She would, she would say, hey, Lexus, and do whatever, and it would work just fine. It was perfect. That's Every time bizarre. I said, hey, Lexus, nothing. Nothing? It just it just it completely it ignored whether, my voice. Did it matter whether you're in the driving driver's no, seat? I tried or it passenger? from both sides. It didn't make a difference. Nope. And even if you know if Tanya said, um, hey Lexus, and then I tried to give it a command, it would still ignore me. It was like, no, not having it. Yeah. It's like no I, went, I didn't have any troubles with mine. It's your deep think, manly I, voice that I it, think I'm the only person that that had an issue with it, uh, on, at least on the day we were driving. That's um, interesting. I yeah. wish I'd driven your car right after, like the exact one that you drove right well, after it, you. It was like this is in four different cars, and and the, oh, the 350, like a, the 350H, the 500H, weird. and the plug-in. All I tried it in all of them. And none of them would recognize, would respond to my voice. Now I want to know if any of the other guys on the program have it. Like, because, you know, I didn't have that problem. Neither did Eileen. Neither yeah. did Tanya. But they're all women's voices. I wonder if it was something was off with it. Truly, they, like detecting yeah. a deeper I mean, they, man's they did, voice. They did acknowledge that, you know, it was still pre-production software. There's still some calibration to do. So maybe, you know, maybe that was it. I, I don't know. But um, presumably somewhere the, an audio engineer is is playing your voice over and over trying to see if the system <laughs> will recognize it and if he's calibrated it right now <laughs> yeah um yeah the 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 rx won't be going on sale till later this fall probably like late november december time frame so mm -hmm. they've got some time still to fix this and like i said it it has 
the system has previously worked fine for me in other Toyota so vehicles. Yeah. Um, you know, and even, you know, after I complained, complained to Toyota about that, you know, the lack of having two, two windows on the screen, yeah. they said, well, you can just do it with your voice. And I tried it with my voice and it always worked really well, but, um, except in the RX for whatever reason. And you know, what? I do agree like with you, the two windows thing, because when you say that, that is, it is a lot of real estate to not be able to do that. I didn't really find it a problem that when you said, I'm like, yeah, you know what, if I was really driving and using this every day, I'd want to be able to have the smaller window with this, you know, big one for navigation or whatever, small one for other functions. Yeah. That's, that is weird on a 14 inch screen. Yeah. Um, okay. Now I'm trying to remember, did they give us pricing information yet? No. Okay. I don't think so. so. I'll do, I don't, I don't believe we have any pricing. Yeah. So uh, I think that'll be coming closer to on sale this fall. Um, the uh, I think the 350, the 350H, and the 500H um, are all going to be built uh, here in the U.S. I think in Georgetown, Kentucky is, is where they're building those. Um, and then the plug-in hybrid will be imported from Japan um, some, again sometime next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, just a huge improvement, you know. Regardless of what you might think of the design, um, you know, and lack of change of the design, uh, the the driving, the interior, everything about else about it, really good. Um, was really really overall overall impressed with this thing. Yeah, same. I thought it was really good. I thought it was a a, a good series of changes that they made. The overall improvement. We have little you know nitpicky things to pick on, but it's good if all you can find are nitpicky things. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for the 2023 Lexus RX uh, first drive impressions. And with that, we will say goodbye for this week and we'll talk to you next time. See ya. Bye bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.